What's up, brother? And welcome to the Becoming Kings podcast. I'm Johnny King, and I'm a life enthusiast, growth mentor, and men's lifestyle fulfillment coach. I've dedicated my life to helping men who feel like they're just not living up to their full potential to level up and become the king of their kingdoms. So whether you've been feeling stuck or numb or extremely angry with not living up to your greatest potential in any area of your life, then I'll be in your ears every week dropping some truly transformative episodes to help you become a man that you're proud to be. I'm glad you're here. Let's get to it. What's going on? It's Johnny King with another mind-blowing episode of the Becoming Kings podcast. I am with uh, my good buddy, Sterling Hawkins, who's, uh, this isn't his first time on the podcast. It's, uh, it's good to have a second round, but uh, how you doing, man? Good, Johnny. Thanks for having me back and good to see you. Good to see you as always. Granted, I just saw you like a week ago or maybe <laughs> on the other side of uh, my trip to Mexico, but um, I've really obviously enjoyed getting to, to know you and just continuing to kind of like deepen our friendship little by little bit by bit. And if we both probably weren't as busy, we'd probably be able to do a lot faster, but, uh, I'm so psyched to, to have you back because when I did have you on, you yeah. kind of had this whole, no matter what, uh, movement that you were working on, but yep. since then, um, you were a huge support of my book when I launched it. Now you've got your own book out that is, oh, uh, is going gangbusters. Oh, look, here it is right here. And oh, look, it's signed. Do you <laughs> listener have a signed copy of a, of the book from Sterling? No, you don't. No, you don't. Cause I'm special. Um, no, it's awesome. But uh, hunting discomfort, how to get breakthrough results in life and business, no matter what by Sterling Hawkins. No dude, this what. is uh, dude, so awesome. It's just a, it's just beautiful to be able to see. It was fun to, uh, to see all the, the coverage you've been getting about it. Um, but for those that don't know you, that maybe this is the first time they're hearing from you, don't know much about this whole concept of hunting discomfort, because I think it's such a profound um, like focus and, and topic. Why don't you give right. a little bit of, of that background first on you and then backstory, and then we can kind of jump more into the book and the whole philosophy behind it. Yeah, you got it. Um, well, maybe the place to start is oftentimes when people hear about me and hunting discomfort and some of the things I'm talking about, at first blush, yeah. they'll say something like, you know what, Sterling, um, you haven't seen my business, you haven't seen my bank account, you haven't seen my relationships, I don't need to hunt discomfort, I'm surrounded by it. <laughs> Fair. I, I mean, the world's an uncomfortable place. You know, we're coming out of a pandemic, there's tech disruption, there's civil unrest, there's inflation, there's, um, you know, potentially a depression upon us. Like, there's a lot of things out there. But my yeah. answer is always the same, no matter the details of what they're dealing with, which is, oh, you mean you're living with discomfort, not hunting it. Because when you're hunting discomfort, you are forever free from it. It's no longer an, an emotional anchor holding you into the past, holding you into the results you've already achieved. And it frees you to achieve a, a level of something new. And it's not freedom based on circumstances. It's not like, oh, I'll be free when I have this much money, or I'll be free when my kids turn 18 and go to college or whatever it is. It's freedom based on you. So it can never be taken away from you. 
And uh, very long, very dramatic story short, uh, I didn't choose discomfort. You know, I had a, a company I started with my dad. We sold it to a group in Silicon Valley where it became part of this behemoth kind of Apple Pay before Apple Pay company. It was a biometric service, worked very similar to Apple Pay. And we raised $550 million, multi-billion dollar valuation, was going phenomenally well. It was like I was living on a scene of uh, Wolf of Wall Street until yeah. the housing market collapsed. Our, our organic growth wasn't enough to sustain the 700 people and offices all over the world and everything we had created. And the whole thing went bankrupt. Hmm. And some of the darkest moments, darkest years of my life ensued next. And it's really where I met discomfort at a very personal level and started to understand, well, wait a minute. Discomfort is not only your access to reach greater potential, it's a critical part, a necessary part of the human experience. And now I, I work with leaders and their companies to reshape themselves and their cultures from one of avoiding or surviving discomfort to really going after it, producing breakthrough results like they've never seen before. So how's that? I love it. I love it. I love it. But the, the first thing that kind of pops in my mind is because uh, I imagine it's intentional, but I don't want to um, assume so much. But why did you choose the word hunting versus seeking or um, yeah, searching? Like why hunting? Yeah, uh, because I think it's more than seeking. It's really not about just feeling discomfort. Like my point is not for people to live an uncomfortable life. It's to really get to the source of what that discomfort is, hunt out the source of this mm -hmm. discomfort and solve it from the root. You know, I, I think discomfort's been a, a very powerful thing in, in all of humanity and for all of us very personally. But back, you know, you think back into like the caveman days, mm -hmm. if somebody was feeling discomfort, it was a driver of action, right? Like if I mm -hmm. feel the discomfort of uh, hunger, I've got to go figure out where to get something to eat. Or if there's a saber tooth tiger, like I feel the discomfort of fear. I better run away from this thing, you know? But modernity has kind of ushered in this really a luxury where in theory, you know, I can work on Zoom here. I can order food via Uber Eats and I can be entertained on Netflix. I don't have to deal with my discomfort anymore. It's not related mm -hmm. to my physical survival. And so we can ignore it, we can placate it, we can medicate it. Um, we can do all these things because we're no longer forced from a survival sense to hunt it down and actually deal with the root cause of it. And so that's, that's really why I kind of flipped and said, it's not just about getting outside your comfort zone. It's not just about seeking discomfort. It's getting to the core of where does that discomfort come from? breaking through that, moving through that, and then being forever free of it. Mm. I kind of think about it too, just taking the, the analogy of actually hunting, mm. you know, going back in, in the day, we're, we're hunting something um, to, to find it, you know, to, to utilize it for like sustaining life, right? you know, for sustenance. And, and in the sense of like, for a lot of people, you, you, you're right. Like discomfort is, is something they would probably rather avoid, you know, like our, our brains are even set good. up to, no, it doesn't feel good. Right. We want to just stay yeah. comfortable, safe, that sort of thing. And yet, um, 
the the fruit of discomfort is typically what creates a very fulfilling life would you say every time yeah so um when i say when you go through you hunt discomfort you get results i'm not just talking about like money or time better spent or a growing business or any of those things right like those things for sure but it's also you know maybe deeper relationships and more joy and happiness to your point like all of that is on the other side of discomfort we just need the courage to go through it yeah well so going to that point then yeah needing the courage to go through it it's like the the courage and the impetus like what's what's the the driving force like um for me you know and and i was even talking about this with my brother last night on the phone he's like for whatever reason johnny you know you out of all of us siblings you have a different drive when it comes to like fitness health and fitness you know Hmm. Yeah. I was like, well, the pain, the discomfort came from mom and dad being obese and, and now mom having passed away at a young age. And like, I just, yeah. I had made a decision when I was eight years old that I was never going to be that way. Yeah. He's like, it's just interesting that the rest of us four siblings didn't, didn't come up with that story, didn't come up with that driving force, right? Mm. So I'm just thinking for someone to be listening to this um, podcast to, to maybe be driven to pick up your book, like hunting discomfort. Okay. I, I intellectually get it, but how do I embody it? How do I, what would you suggest is like a part of like getting them to actually pursue something because they know inherently like they, they must do it. Right. Versus yeah. being like, Oh, it's a fun idea, but like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, I found this research out of the university of Michigan. And they were studying my favorite topic of discomfort. Mm. And they were scanning people's brains and their bodies as they were going through different kinds of discomfort. You know, physical discomfort, maybe somebody stubbed their toe, emotional discomfort, maybe somebody broke up with a loved one or lost a job, uh, mental discomfort. And they're scanning their brains, their bodies, like what's happening with these people and what they found. It blew me away, Johnny. I can't remember if I've told you this or maybe you read it in the book, but yeah. No matter what kind of discomfort somebody was feeling, the body and brain processes it almost identically. Oh, right. Yeah. So much so you can take acetaminophen like Advil and it will help with emotional pain. Like that's how close that circuitry is. Um, Mm. I'm not a doctor. That's not a biohack. I, I don't suggest anybody do that. In fact, I suggest you don't, you know, but what I do suggest is we can kind of take that next step and say, okay, if how I'm experiencing discomfort, those feelings of discomfort that I run into are the same everywhere, well, we can grow our capacity to deal with them anywhere. It's a muscle that you build. You know, everybody knows if you want to build your biceps, you go to the gym. Well, if mm-hmm. you want to build your, well, either your resiliency or your ability to create breakthrough growth, you hunt discomfort. There's just no other way. And I think there's a, a little bit of distinction that I think is worth pointing out, right? Whenever there's a, like a, because it's usually dependent on something circumstantial. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but if you're saying like, I'm doing this because it's, there's something in the world that you're hinging it on. Could be a belief, could be a feeling, could be, um, you know, maybe your uh, thoughts about the significant other where wherever you're at in life when you break through that discomfort in in all the different ways then you become really ultimately free of that 
And it, it's something that's much more authentic, something that's much more true inside of you, where you're not maybe going to the gym because of this, but you're going to the gym because you're going to the gym. Mm -hmm. Because maybe you love the gym, or you love the feeling of it, or you love kind of the sense of health and well-being that go along with it. And it's just a slightly mm -hmm. different kind of perspective on that. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Is it, is it kind of the uh, two sides of the same coin, if I'm hearing you correctly? Is it just kind of like taking into account that there's uh, the carrot and the stick? The mm. stick is kind of the discomfort that often can, can, can motivate us. But yeah, like you said, before we started recording, like this is just to make that distinction, like this is not about living an uncomfortable life or a painful life, right? Like no. most of us are actually doing that <laughs> on our own, right? right. Just because life is right. And, and we, right? we've got all these reasons and excuses and explanations for why we have the discomfort we have. Mm -hmm. and, and that's a mm -hmm. way of like, in a, in a crazy sense, defending and hanging on to the discomfort. The more you hunt discomfort, the more, the less you feel it. The more you hunt discomfort, the less you feel it. And why do you think that is? Just because you are becoming more resilient or because it just loses its effect? It, it starts to lose its effect. It, it loses its grip on you. Mm. Um, you know, I'll, I'll give you a, a personal example. Yeah. Uh, for me, back when that whole company fell apart, I told you it led to some really dark times. And it led to me being, you know, a lot of shame, a lot of embarrassment, retreating from a lot of friends, even some extended family, because uh, it didn't just feel like I was a failure. Like, I was a failure. Like, that was the truth. Mm -hmm. That's how I felt. That's what I believed at the time. And mm -hmm. I, I was medicated for it. I was seeing therapists. Not that there's anything wrong with any of that. I, I think it can be helpful in some times. Um, but I decided, you know what, I'm going to go through this fear is from something my mom said, the way out is through Robert Frost quote. Yep. And the thing that scared me most of the time was speaking in public. Like, uh, I've always loved that Seinfeld joke, like many people would rather be giving the eulogy than in the coffin. Mm hmm. Or in the coffin than giving the eulogy. Sorry, I gave it backwards. Yes, like yes. that was me. Like yes. I would have rather died than been on a stage somewhere. <laughs> right. And I, I think I shared in the last podcast, like, you know, I, I did end up applying and speaking at an event, but I, I started looking at that. The way to break through discomfort is twofold. One, expose yourself to it, right? So that's mm -hmm. exactly what I did. I spoke anywhere I had a chance, anywhere I could to orient myself to that discomfort. Where was it in my body? What were the thoughts that were coming up? How did I feel? How did I feel afterwards? How did I feel during it? What did people have to say? Like what feedback could I collect, right? I got to know that discomfort really, really well. But mm. I didn't come out of the womb afraid to speak in public, right? Babies don't come out of the womb and they're like, this one, this one's got a lot of self-doubt. This one's going to be scared to speak in public. This one is going to be afraid to ask for money. Babies don't come right. out that way. It started right. somewhere. There's a root to that discomfort. And I found it actually traced back. I don't know if I've ever told you this. Uh, traced back to something that happened in the fifth grade where I mm. thought I was going to give a fantastic presentation, was really excited for it, thought it was going to be the best in the class. I wasn't afraid to do it. And when the moment finally came, I forgot what to say. 
Mm. And, you know, anybody watching from the outside is like, oh, well, he, he forgot his, his presentation. But for me, devastating. In that sure. moment, I, I wish I could have disappeared. I decided I'm not good at public speaking. I should never do this again. And whenever I'm in the potential situation or I am speaking in public, I need all my fear responses because this is going to end poorly. Right. I, I'm taking mm. something that happened in the past in fifth grade. And here I am now in my 30s, still dealing with that discomfort, still hanging on to that discomfort. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it wasn't until I, I traced it back to that moment and realized, well, wait a minute. That was fifth grade. I, I, <laughs> I'm not in fifth grade anymore. I'm, I'm now in my 30s. I, I just turned 40. Right. Like that's a perspective that was the root or at least closer to the root of where that discomfort started for me that gave me yeah. access to being able to actually let go of some of it. And now when I speak in mm. public, yeah, I might get a little bit nervous, but nowhere near the debilitating uh, fear that I would experience in the past. Mm. You were excited. Obviously, you thought you're going to do well when you're in fifth grade. And then right. to go from that to complete like that frozen moment. Our, yeah. your brain goes blank is is i think a scary thought for for anyone even if you know that happens sure. to you now right and a keynote speech that you're given would be horrifying uh, but like at the same time you have the the tools now to, to work through that but as a fifth grader yeah that can shape a, a man's life for sure it did and and that's yeah. really you know to your point our lives, our businesses, our relationships are defined by the discomfort that we avoid. You know, yeah. for years after that, I'm avoiding speaking in public, sometimes consciously, sometimes unconsciously. And, you know, for other people, it's, well, I'm afraid to be um, in relationships when there's any conflict, or I'm afraid of asking yeah. for money, or I, you know, have little self-worth when it comes to these, these things. None of those things are true, but until you really dig into that discomfort and trace it back to where it started, it's going to be very, very hard to break free from it. Mm -hmm. So like hunting mm -hmm. discomfort, I really do mean hunt it. Like you got to go after it, find the source of it, and then move through whatever you find. There. Yeah, you kind of, min I don't know if minimizes the right word, but you're, you're killing that monster in some regards, you know, of how big yeah. it is when you go through it, you're like, oh. You know, I can do that so that you can do more, obviously, right? Totally. Going forward. Yeah. And yeah. I, I have been on stages, uh, you know, within the last couple of years where I have forgotten like my train of thought, yeah. what I was thinking about saying, but it no longer yeah. has that emotional hold on me where I'm like, oh my gosh, I forgot. Freeze. Don't do anything. Start yeah. to panic, yeah. run away. Like, there's none of that emotional trigger there anymore. It's just, I pause for a moment, collect myself. I might even say to the audience, hey, I lost my train of thought. Like somebody remind me where I was, right? Yeah. And then I can get back on track. So I, yeah. in a very large way, for me personally, again, to your point, hunted that discomfort monster inside me. So the emotional pull, the emotional trigger is just no longer there in the same form. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the key because whether we're talking about like, you know, some of the work that I do with nice guys, you know, myself mm -hmm. included over the years, like yeah. to your point, avoiding confrontation or what got, nice guys ultimately do is they, they avoid communicating their needs. Cause yeah. what if they, they tell someone their needs and 
they don't want to fulfill those needs or it's too overbearing or they decide to yeah. leave, you know, it's like, and yet that without hunting that discomfort, that ripple effect of just shutting up and putting up is, you know, way worse, way, way worse in terms of how that right. has its implications on, on your life, you know? So, yeah, it, it's almost like without realizing it, we have avoided the short-term pain and have accepted mm -hmm. the long-term life sentence of it. And, and again, mm -hmm. like no newborn has come out of the womb being like, oh, this one's a nice guy one. This one's going to be afraid mm -hmm. of uh, uh, tough conversations. You know, people aren't born that way. Mm -hmm. It started somewhere. Right. And so when you can find it like in your life, maybe inside specific relationships and like start to experience it, like go into some of those things and then start to trace it back to where it started. You will be free of it. Like it's just, it's brain science. It's how it works. Mm -hmm. It's it's pretty cool. What are, what I was going to ask was what you mentioned yeah. earlier about how discomfort shows up in a couple of different or a multitude of different ways, you know? Yeah. Um, I think primal, primally is that a word um yeah let's show, go with it, it. we we experience it in the body yeah. right yeah. but i i know at least with a lot of guys um there's a disconnect between their head and their heart or their head and their totally the, the experience of emotions or sensations in the body right mm -hmm. um so whether it's a guy or a gal listening to this what do you in, in all the work that you've done and working with you know clients and, and just talking to people and now the people that are reading your book do you feel like there's a common sensation that people feel is it like a tightening of the chest is it uh like how do you really know if like something is like just uncomfortable like eh, or ultimately what i'm getting to is like if or if it's so taxing and so yeah. like so scary <laughs> do you want to to have more bite size like do you start off kind of not babying yourself, but stepping into, or do you just go for the mother load and you'd be like, all right, this is like debilitating. And I feel like I'm about to have a panic attack. I'm so uncomfortable. You know what I mean, what are, what are your thoughts yeah. along those lines? Yeah. Um, so not to like cop out of this question, but a little bit, it depends. And here's why. Yeah. Um, you know, discomfort's a muscle. So taking those small steps, feeling a little bit of that discomfort, uh, is a viable path and it's a path I encourage anybody to really go down. Um, yeah. Over time, you'll get stronger and stronger and stronger and you'll feel less of that discomfort inside of you. Uh, and to answer mm -hmm. the other part of your question, I can't say there's like any one specific area of the body or um, kind of feeling that I've talked with people about experiencing. Some it's the face or the neck or the chest or the heart. Sometimes it's a tightening. Sometimes it's a, a twisting. Usually it's like the descriptions tend to be like uncomfortable in and of themselves, right? Tightening, twisting, turning, hurting. Increased um, heart rate, I'd imagine too. Sweating, just like, yeah. just like nervousness, anxiety, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and a, a lot of times, which on top of that, for, for many leaders, especially men, I, I think, is like this resignation about the whole thing. It's when there's the disconnect between the head and the heart, and, and you might know more about this stuff than I do. Um, like 
there's this resignation that sets in of this is the way things are. This is the way that I am. This is the way the world is. And there's really nothing I can do about it. So shut mm -hmm. down, stop feeling those things and let's move on. Let me just kind of muscle through or summon some grit to get on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. And I, I think sometimes that's necessary, but at, at the core of all of this stuff are our, our beliefs, right? Our beliefs about who we are, who other people are as an individuals, right? Like you mm -hmm. as my friend, this other person as my significant other, my coworker, like individuals or groups of people or mm -hmm. the world. And as we can step back and view those uh, core beliefs as beliefs and not necessarily like the ultimate truths, it gives us a little freedom to start to see them differently and maybe start to see them through the lenses of other people or better yet, the lenses of what's possible. Did I answer your question? I got a little lost there. <laughs> no, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, and, and well, yeah. again, it starts to spin my wheels too and thinking different, uh, I'm, I'm putting into context. Yeah different things that, uh, that you're saying there. Um, because I feel like too, I my mind started kind of wandering off to like, you know, I, I could see some people like, Oh, I've been married to my spouse for 30 years. I know, yeah. I know her or him inside and out our, our relationship. We love each other, but it's a little bit boring. Yeah. Um, it's predictable. I'm just, I was kind of, my mind was going to like, because I, I've I had plenty of clients like that. And so like, yeah. where, where would you Sterling kind of like coach these guys into like, okay, where could they search for some discomfort, hunt for yeah. some discomfort in, in a kind of a, a boring kind of predictable relationship? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, now I remember what I was going to say too. Um, yeah. So you can take small bites of discomfort and this will answer both questions, I think, but you can also take really big steps into it. But you, I would advise only take those big steps into it when you have the people around you that can support you. Mm. Right. Important. Like when, when you're deep in discomfort, it's disorienting. Everything in your brain is going to be telling you, don't do that. Go back. This is dangerous. Yeah, the alarms are going stupid. off. Exactly. And if you're by yourself, if you don't have any outside support, in all likelihood, you're going to turn back. And it's going mm -hmm. to make a lot of sense to turn back, right? There's going to be all the reasons, all the rationality. And it's just your brain oftentimes tricking you into keeping you safe. Or better said, keeping your, your ego or your beliefs that you already have have in place safe mm -hmm. um a couple of components that i think you need are, are one outside accountability if you're outside accountable to somebody you're 95 percent mm -hmm. more likely to achieve your goal 95 percent, mm -hmm. not like a little bit more likely but way more likely to achieve whatever it is and i also think you need somebody that uh, offers you love not in the romantic sense but love in terms of acceptance, because as you're in kind of the, the struggle of the moment of discomfort, right, there's going to be things about you that you don't like, things that come up that maybe you don't accept, and somebody kind of being outside of you, accepting you for who and where you are, I think is critical, especially for some of those bigger leaps. So yeah. my, my favorite way to kind of break out of the status quo for, for anybody that's kind of resigned with where they're at and their career and their startup and their relationship 
is to do something really, really hard. Um, it's medicine I've, I've taken myself. I mean, I've, I've gotten really into like endurance runs and bike rides and like things that I really don't feel like I can do, but sign mm. myself up for these things and then do them. And what that does is it almost, uh, how do I want to say this? It's like it, you go through and you do some of these things, it, it kills or at least loosens your grip on some of the restrictive beliefs you have about yourself. Mm. Uh, an example, well, you know this, I did that triple bypass, 100 mile bike ride through the Rockies. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't do that because I'm a cyclist. I didn't do it because I even love riding bikes. I, I found it quite uncomfortable but I did it because I didn't think I could. I knew it was going to be really hard. And in the process of continuing to pedal, regardless of uh, you know, the pain and the wanting to quit and all those things, I let go of the piece of my identity that said I couldn't. And the more that you do that, the more, one, you become able to let go of your identity or who you think you are, or how you've defined your relationship or your job or any of those things. And it also shakes you up because if that's now true, something that you didn't think was true is now true, almost at an unconscious level, you start to wonder, well, what else might be true? Right? What like else maybe, can I do? Yeah. What else can I do? Or maybe, maybe it's, what else about the relationship am I in that I, did I think I know that's not true? Or what else did I think I knew about my business that, you know what, I, I don't really. So it gives you a, a little bit of space from the beliefs that you have to kind of reevaluate and reset some of them. Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. said, I probably won't be doing the triple bypass again. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's too easy for you now, You're right? right? You, already, you already slayed it. You already slayed it. Um, yeah, going back to the word surrender. Yeah. Now you're right. There's, there's, um, there's kind of a di couple of different ways we could look at surrender. One of it is like, yeah, there's, there's a lot of people out there who have just kind of surrendered to life just happening to them. And they're just like, I give up. They just kind I of throw up their hands. Like, resigned. I'm, I'm, yes, exactly. Resigned. Right. So maybe that's yeah. a, you know, maybe we're talking more um, syntax, but like there's a different type of surrender or you even said acceptance, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because I was at a, a men's retreat a couple of months ago, and there's a difference between surrender and acceptance. Surrender, mm -hmm. he, this is a psychotherapist who's like, surrender oftentimes comes with this idea that you have to give up. You have to give up something. If I'm surrendering, I'm waving the white flag. Yeah. I'm giving up. I lose, you win. But with yeah. acceptance, it's more, and it's like Byron Katie's work, um, where it's like, I'm, I'm just accepting that it is what it is. You know, I'm not going to yeah. try to change it. It's not in my control anyways. So what is within my control? Um, yeah. So maybe we could kind of riff a little bit on that whole idea of whether it be acceptance or surrender versus, like you said, just kind of giving up on life. <laughs> That's yeah. not the way, obviously, to, to create greater results. But how does that idea of surrender play into this whole concept of, of hunting discomfort yeah. while still not being so attached to a certain outcome that you want yeah does that make sense it, it does so this this is kind of interesting because i think you do have to give something up 
and yeah, yeah. give something up very intentionally. And this this would be like a cool conversation for the three of us to get into sometime. I'm I'm sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's to me, anyways. When I'm talking about surrender, it's something that's very active and very intentional. And there's two specific things that I think you have to actively give up. Uh, one, maybe obviously, like the the resources to achieve whatever it is you want to achieve. You know, if I want a coffee, I have to give up the time it's going to take to walk there. I have to give up the four dollars and fifty cents. You know, whatever it is. I have to give up uh, real time materials and resources to get what it is that I want to achieve. And the second thing that you have to surrender is much more difficult, much more subtle, which is you have to give up your resistance to giving up those things. Uh, Carl Jung, famous psychologist, I'm sure you know, many listeners know, like arguably the father of modern psychology, right? He said, mm-hmm. we cannot change anything until we accept it. Condemnation about not having enough money, not having enough time, not having the right relationship, not being the right age, like condemnation about any of those things does not liberate. It oppresses. And mm-hmm. until we step into that discomfort of whatever it is and let go of whatever thoughts, feelings, emotions, uh, ways of thinking, being and acting, that are kind of causing some of that discomfort for us, it'll just be an albatross or it'll be like an anchor that holds us back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, yes, acceptance, it, it, like it's very nuanced, you know? Yeah. Well, and I was thinking too, like to your point, actually there's, uh, there's times when, yeah, you, you need to surrender to, uh, let go of to give up <laughs> to uh to let die maybe yeah. our ego right yeah yeah or uh that that attachment to right we are so there is something that's really beneficial about letting go of ultimately maybe just control in one way shape or another you know that it shows yeah. up in our lives you know yeah um yeah and i think like an area to look when you're not surrendering, right? I I think there's some like telltale signs of it. But the biggest sign that I've seen is you're probably not surrendering or maybe said differently, accepting things exactly as they are and exactly as they're not. When you have the experience of lack, like I'm lacking Mm. inspiration, I'm lacking uh, money, I'm lacking resources, I'm lacking love. Like if you're lacking something, it's a very likely situation that you're not accepting things exactly as they are. You're not surrendering to what is exactly how it is. And mm-hmm. that might be a, a little cue or a little like flashing neon sign in your brain saying, let go, let go. And then when you are able to let go, you find really this limitless uh, reserve of innovation and creativity and resourcefulness and determination that maybe you didn't even know was in yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think you're touching upon the uh, world's greatest addiction, mm. as well as probably the, I, I see the older I get the, the underlying theme of this human experience Mm. which is like the whole thing is all about letting go of control. Mm. 
Like we, yeah. we have this perception that we have control. Um, we all want it, which is essentially control to be in comfort and out of discomfort, you know? Right. And yet, and yet the more of the, I mean, it goes all full circle back around to the whole point of the book. It's like the, the more we actually mm. lean into accepting that that is and surrendering to that is the, it's not around, but through that that's when life really begins to, to shift, you know, and we've talked about it. You've invited yeah. me to things. I'm yeah. like, hell no, that's way too, discom- <laughs> too, too uncomfortable. Like I can't even, um, but it, but it also makes me realize at times I've reflected back. I'm like, why that sound like some things even like that actually sounds fun, but I have, again, I'm, my nervous system is so, um, alarmed right now because yeah. i am in reaction to so much shit going on in my world you know mm. that i'm allowing you know or i'm programmed or whatever to be triggered by that i can't even think about you know i was consistently mm. doing um cold baths for a while yeah. but then i found like i couldn't do it because i was starting to have these like panic not panic attacks per se at all but i just it was not helping me i was not huh. coming out of that feeling like feeling better and feeling like I just was coming out of it. Like I can't, it was like triggering my nervous system versus like helping it, you know, wow. which was yeah. interesting. Right. Yeah. And so just making me realize, okay. So I, I think all that to say, you know, to your point, when I asked the question about like, where do you feel in your body? Everyone's body is different. You're going to experience yeah. it differently. Right. So there's probably no right, right or wrong answer to that. But I do feel like, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, people who are listening to this and, and like this idea and read your book are inspired. There's no right or wrong answer either, whether you kind of lean into those small little bite size, like if that's what you feel like intuitively that you should do versus doing the triple bypass like you did and really going for or skydiving or whatever, like yeah. whatever, right? Got to follow yeah. your intuition. Yeah. It, it, I think most importantly is do something. Um, yeah. You know, i I used to love those choose your own adventure books when I was a kid. You ever yeah, read those? Same, same. Yeah, totally. And, yeah, yeah. And, and what I would do um, is that when I came to a crossroads, right? Do you want to open the door or go down the hallway? I would kind of keep my finger at that point and then check out the other options. And then I would come to another crossroads, another crossroads. And pretty soon, like I've got all these bookmarks in the book and I never finished the book. I don't know what happens because I never made a choice. Yeah. I never moved. Um, uh, I think that happens to a lot of us. We look at all these decisions we can make about the relationships we can be in or the, where we can spend our money, where we can make our money, where we can live, right? Yeah. There's almost limitless options these days. And we value yeah. some part of many of us values uh, the ability to have options. But when we constantly keep options open, keep all of the options open, we're never able to finish the book. Yeah. When you choose and commit to something like a little discomfort, big discomfort, doesn't matter to me, but when you really choose it, you go after it, you commit to it and you do it, it forces you to move. And you might mm-hmm. not end up exactly where you want to be, but you will be somewhere new and then you can make a new commitment and move again. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. you're, you're right. And I even think about like, uh, just, it's just like a choice or decision overwhelm. Well, you've almost got yeah. too much. And I'm thinking about you as a little boy, like ultimately you don't <laughs> want to make the wrong decision or you want to know all your options before you get going. And how many people do that when they want to start a relationship or a business? And you're just right. like, 
and I've been that way too. And I think over yeah. time you're like, me no, too. You just have to fucking go. Just go. Yeah. Just choose one and go. Right. Right. Just and then change it maybe it. down the road, but at least you've done yeah. something. If yes. Like you said, at least do something. Take action versus exactly. just try to have all your all your ducks in a row or have every every option laid out in front of you so that you can choose, right. you know, intellectually. I think sometimes you're right. Just just go, right? Just yeah. go. And here's here's kind of the the dark side to that that many of us don't think about, myself included, which is if you don't choose life the finite nature of it will choose for you like indecision becomes the decision and all of a Mm -hmm. sudden you're 50 60 70 80 years old looking back on your life and saying hey i wish i should have i could have you know if you look at the the research the number one deathbed regret number one all over the world is some form of i wish i had the courage to live the life true to myself now, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't sound like, oh, I wish I went to the Grand Canyon, or I wish I started that business, or I even wish I was in that relationship. What they're wishing for is something that is always and inherently inside of them, the ability to summon courage. And mm-hmm. we can look at that, kind of transport ourselves into the future and say, well, what really matters to me? What am I right now lacking the courage to do? knowing that if we don't do it, we'll have some regret about it on our deathbed. And then you can at least take some steps towards that thing. Yeah. That is something I've done with, with other clients is something that I do consistently as well, which is like, it's, it's almost taking um, future pain and experiencing it in the present, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Versus being, you know, fixated and, and scared of my current, you know, yeah. fear, which is going to keep me from actually taking action. Like, ah, but when I, when I regret this more to not do it than to just do it. And I'm like, yes, let's just fucking go, you know? So, yeah. but it's, it's well, not they, easy, man, especially. It's not easy. No, it, it no. is really not easy. And the ancient Greeks, they said, I'm sure I'm going to get this quote wrong, but it's something along the lines of the best way to live is to die. And they're getting at that point right? Like if you take that future pain that you might experience and kind of bring it into the present, feel that pain, go through that, that little death or go through that discomfort or whatever it is. Well, then now you're really living, right? You're free of that. You're free of that discomfort. And now you can take some steps into whatever it is, the business, the money, the relationship, um, so on and so forth. Yeah. Well, and, and, and wrapping things up, you know, so much of like the, the masculine expression uh its desire is like you said to to obtain freedom you know right it's that release it's the finally achieve and get to that uh that promotion or get those you know commas in the bank or you yeah. know feel like i have uh, arrived and yet yeah. uh it's almost that's it's almost like that i mean it is death you know it's the death of oh, i just want to to get past all of this stress and this anxiety. I want to get past this yeah. building phase. So I can just enjoy and just, ah, just be in the moment. And yet yeah. we never really ultimately get there. Right. No, but to your point, you know, again, coming around full circle, it's like the, the more hunt it. Um, and you, the more you kind of experience dominion over it, the less it really 
doesn't have any power over you and the less you actually have to experience. So the more freedom you get by having the cojones to just keep stepping into that face of that discomfort, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I think the more you do that, the more, and I mean, this not as a concept, but something that you viscerally know is true. You start to come to the, the realization, maybe better said the experience of that point you want to get to that thing you want with like all of you, the commas in your bank account, the relationship is actually right here. It's inside of you. You just have to let Mm. go of the discomfort that's in the way of you experiencing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, isn't that yeah. true? Well, I, think I love so. it. I think, yeah, I think anyone who who really is kind of turned on by this concept, uh, why discomfort is needed, right? Uh, how they should break through it, and, yeah. and and how to kind of discomfort muscle need to pick up your book, hunting discomfort. Where can they get it? Awesome. Where can they pick up a, a copy or multiple copies? Thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, the best place to go yeah. to is huntingdiscomfort.com. Um, nice. Not only can you get the book there, but you can see some of the things that some of the incredible people in the no matter what community have achieved through using some of those steps in the book. And um, I'll also offer that in that same site, there's what we call the hunting discomfort quiz. It doesn't cost anything. Like I'm not yes. selling it. We're selling books, but we're not like, I don't have courses or something that I'm trying to sell people. There's the hunting discomfort quiz where you go through, you take 15 questions, take you a couple of minutes. And as I said before, like we've spent our lives and created our businesses avoiding discomfort. Oftentimes that's a blind spot. Mm -hmm. We don't know what exactly it is. And if you take the quiz, it might give you a little bit of insight into what might be holding you back and better yet, a pathway to break through it. Yeah, totally. Uh, I think it's, it's profound stuff that you're doing, obviously. And sometimes, again, the, the simplest ideas are the best. It's all this, the, the idea of like less is more, <laughs> you know? Totally. So yeah, I appreciate it, man. Thank you for, for like being less. on. Um, yeah, absolutely. Entrepreneur, your researcher, your author of this amazing new book, uh, Sterling Hawkins. Thank you, brother, for being on the podcast. Uh, guys, go out. Guys, gals, whoever's listening, go out and get this book. Uh, you will not be sorry. It's uh, it's a really, really captivating one. Dude, thank you. I appreciate you. Looking forward thank to you, doing Johnny. this again soon. You just got to write appreciate your next book. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, good to see you. Yeah. And see you soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys for listening, as always, uh, to the Becoming Kings podcast. We'll catch up with you soon. Cheers. That's it for this one, and I want to thank you for listening. Hey, if you got some good ideas from this episode and you want more, please feel free to subscribe to the podcast. And if you think others may benefit from it also, share it on social media and tag me in your post so I can say hey. It would also mean a lot to me if you felt inclined to write a review of the show on Apple Podcasts since I read every single one of them. And if you've got any questions or topics that you'd like to recommend, or really just anything that you think I could improve upon, man, I thrive on constructive feedback. So hit me up with an email at podcast at johnnyking.com. Oh, and feel free to also subscribe to my YouTube channel, connect with me on LinkedIn, and follow me on Instagram at johnnyking and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash johnnykingmenscoach. Thanks again for joining me. I'll catch you next time.